We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. All right, Bears fans, welcome in to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usain Cultural. We're recording this episode on a Tuesday here, November 29th. December is just around the corner. That means uh, only a few weeks left for this 2022 NFL season. It's flown, flown by fast, you said. But before we get into today's episode, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. You're right. We've got about five weeks remaining. A lot of talk around social media over the last few weeks has already been looking forward to the 2023 NFL draft where as of week 12, the bears do have the second overall pick, but that's a bit deceiving because we haven't factored in stuff like strength of schedule. So a lot before we actually assume the bears have the second overall pick in April. Yeah, there's still a lot of season left. I know that it's coming down to the wire here soon, but you know, certainly a lot can come into play here. I think, you know, I, I was looking at draft scenarios earlier today and uh, the Bears, you know, if they were to lose out, let's say, for the rest of the season, the lowest they could possibly go in the draft would be four, with the highest being that two spot, because I don't think the Texans are going to win another game this year. But assuming that's the case, like you're – the Bears, if they continue to go on this trajectory um, that they've gone the last month or so where they've been losing, I think they've lost five – game straight um you're looking at between the two to four picks there and you know that puts them in a pretty position in this draft with you know quarterbacks at the top of this draft that could be drafted high which we're gonna be talking about one of those quarterbacks potentially today on this episode is as well as you know some key pass rushers which uh you know could be in the works for them at the top of this draft which we'll also be addressing um today but before we get into those topics it's important to do some updates on some key injuries for this Bears teams because, you know, they're coming off that loss to New York Jets. It was a blowout loss. You know, Trevor Simeon got the start. There wasn't a ton to really analyze in this game, but uh, the Bears have two huge losses going forward for their season. As uh, we just found out earlier today that Darnell Mooney and Eddie Jackson were put on injury reserve for the, the injuries that they suffered um, in the course of this Jets game. Uh, I think Jackson went down with, I think it was a foot injury uh, that's going to sideline him for probably the rest of the season. And Darnell Mooney too, with an ankle um, looks like it's going to be season ending as well. Just huge blows to uh, this bears team to close out the year. And I know that, you know, this isn't exactly a team that's, you know, winning anything right now. They're certainly not a contender, but it still sucks because Darnell Mooney is such a key part to, uh, of course, Justin Fields' development as their best wide receiver right now. I mean, he's just lapping the field for this Bears team in terms of target share. Um, he's clearly been the number one guy for this Bears passing game this season, the guy that they're, you know, probably are committed to building around moving forward. Um, and you would like to see him get more chemistry and consistency with Justin Fields at the end of the year. And then, of course, Eddie Jackson, who's had a resurgent season, just uh, tough breaks there for this Bears team in that regard. 
You're right. Tough rates is certainly the perfect word to use. I think overall, when you look at it, right, considering how much roster turnover we've seen over the last couple, well, over this past offseason, I should say, you know, Mooney and Jackson are basically two of the longest tenured members of the Bears. You're looking at Jackson, who's been the longest tenured member of the defense, having been here through the John Fox as well as Matt Nagy eras. And then now he's playing under Matt Eberflus, right? And Jackson's interesting because he's one of those guys that have seen a Bears defense perform at a high level and do so consistently, going back to those like 2018, 2019 seasons. And then you look at Darnell Mooney, who we have our opinions on Darnell Mooney on this podcast. And in no way, shape, or form are we saying that he is a legitimate number one wide receiver. But I think the potential still there for him to go ahead and be a pretty good two or three wide receiver. You also have to factor this, and I think when it comes to Darnell, right, is that when we do our end of season evaluations and we look at his production, you know, there's no doubt that his production's been down this season. Now, there's two factors associated with that. Number one, the Bears wasted the first couple weeks of the season just kind of lollygagging around on offense and not really building it to Justin Fields' skill set. And then number two, I think the big thing is that his chemistry with Justin was not on the same page that everyone thought it was going to be on, right? We saw a couple highlight reel throws in training camp, and we're like, hey, these guys are building something. And there was, I think, a lot of hope for this season, but – it just wasn't the type of chemistry, and they weren't on the same page a lot of the times. A lot of that, I think, has to do with the new offense that they're learning, but also just not really practicing at game speed. And I think the best way to build chemistry is to do so playing at game speed consistently. Yeah, I mean, the, the more game reps, the better. I mean, you look at how the season has gone down, I mean, I think Mooney's going to end up with just over 400 yards um, receiving and two touchdowns for the year. Just not the type of production he's looking for. And I know that Mooney's going to be looking for a big time extension uh, going into, you know, next off season. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, what the conversation is going to be around that because certainly, um, you know, I, I think Mooney has a case to want to get a lot of money here. Um you know, so somewhere around like the 18 to 20 million mark, I think is a fair offer uh, for the level of wide receiver that he is. And I think going forward, you know, that's not quite, we have to put it this way. Like it's probably the way that the wide receiver market's going right now. A number one wide receiver is probably be in the, in the realm of 25 to 30 million from now on for um, some of these guys. So paying a wide receiver who may not particularly be a number one, um, but a dang good number two, which I think Darnell Mooney is, um, 18 to 20 million per year is actually not a bad, um, you know, decision whatsoever. And, you know, from a cap standpoint, again, the Bears have all the money in the world to make world to make this work. So it's it's that that shouldn't be something that holds them back in that regard. It's whether they value Mooney at that level, and certainly this, you know, is going to damper that a little bit with the injury here. And I'm not saying it's going to necessarily be used against them in negotiation, but you know, there's less for this new regime. There's less, you know evidence to support the case for paying Mooney a top contract. So you're looking at a situation where you're going into next year and Mooney's likely going to be, um, there's going to be some negotiations, but it's, it's hard to see me seeing a deal getting made this off season, which stinks because you want to get these deals done early. And, you know, the bears have other decisions to make at wide receiver with Chase Claypool. And I know we're going to be getting into that um, later on in this episode, uh, addressing the wide receiver position, but you know, Claypool, they just traded a second round pick for him. He had probably his best games of bear against the Jets. Um, you know, it's likely that they're going to look to try to extend him too because, you know, they just paid a premium pick. It's looking like a top 35 pick to go get him. So, you know, certainly there's a lot at play here with that situation. And there's also a lot at play with the Eddie Jackson situation um, just because, you know, his status with this new regime is not guaranteed. I know he's had a great year. He's got two years left on his deal, I believe, after this season. But, you know, the Bears, again, Andy Jackson was not a guy that this regime drafted or brought in as a free agent. You know, he's the old regime's guy, so to speak. So it, it's not a guarantee that he's seen as a long-term piece either, even though he's played pretty well this year. Um, you know, do you think that could be something that, you know, this injury could maybe impact Eddie Jackson's status moving forward long-term with the team? Yeah, I definitely think it is. And here's what we have to keep in mind, right, is 
with Eddie, it's a bit polarizing because we do see the fact that he has taken a step forward, right, in terms of kind of bouncing back this season. But ultimately, you, I think, also have to understand part of that bounce back is because he finally has a legitimate running mate playing strong safety next to him in Jaquan Brisker, which then does make Eddie a lot more expendable and allow him to kind of get back to playing that center field position. Just a lot of those kind of cover one looks that he traditionally didn't have when he had guys like Tashawn Gibson next to him or even ha Clinton Dix. But for the Bears, right, you have to ask yourself two questions. Number one, do you move on from Eddie Jackson just for the extra cap room? Or do you move on from Eddie Jackson because you believe that there's a better player out there that you're going to get at a much cheaper price, probably I want to say a third of the cost, than you're currently paying Eddie Jackson, who I think is slated to make like 15 or $16 million in 2023 anyway. So it's quite a hefty cap hit, right? That I think are ultimately the two factors that you need to look at when it comes to assessing whether or not Eddie Jackson should be on the roster next year. Now, is there really an upgrade out there? There could be, but also it depends on how you're going to go about getting that upgrade. Like you're not going to draft a player and expect him to have the same impact Eddie Jackson does. But then also at the end of the day, I think it's key to keep in mind that the safeties market and free agency has really dried up over the last couple of years. And every year there's players that you look at and you know, hey, these guys are starting caliber players, but Teams typically wait till the second or third wave of free agency to even dip their toes into the safety market. So a lot of stuff you kind of have to go about considering here when it comes to Eddie Jackson. Yeah, like you said, I mean, there's certainly a lot to consider here with Jackson's situation. It's not, you know, I think ultimately the Bears will bring him back, but because he does form a very nice partnership with Jaquan Brisker, I think, but it definitely does. You definitely do have to consider it as an option there that, you know, Eddie Jackson uh, will not be here as a bear next year, just depending on, you know, what the, the team decides to do in free agency. So I mean, those are, that wraps up basically our conversation, talking about these injuries. And now we're going to get on to um, some of our other topics for today's episode. But before we do that, uh, it's time to talk about our newest sponsor here at the bear report, uh, which is manscaped the best in men's below the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineer tools for your family jewels. Manscaped performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle join over 7 million men worldwide who trust manscaped with this exclusive offer for you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with this code bear at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 14 million balls being taken care of. Uh, speaking of being taken care of, Holiday season is just around the corner. I know everyone's looking for that special gift for that special someone. Well, the Performance Package 4.0 has arrived. And let me tell you, it is the perfect gift for your man's package. Inside, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a nice travel bag to hold your goodies. First off, we have the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is is the future of grooming, and dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever, if I do say so myself. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof as well, and also has a 4,000K LED spotlight you need for a more precise shave. Because this uh, trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom, bathroom floor as well. If you thought that was good, but want to take your grooming game to even a further level, the next step is the Performance Package 4.0, which also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer as well. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides skin-safe technology, which helps, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will also change the way that you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas. Your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw even threw in two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped boxers and the Shed travel bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level, fellas. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BearPort at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use the code BearPort. Unlock your confidence and, as always, the right tools for the job with Manscaped. 
All right, you said. Let's move on to the next topic for today's episode, uh, talking about the pass rush year for the Bears because it's certainly been a topic all year long for the Bears. The pass rush uh, is just not getting it to anybody right now. We saw this in this last Jets game. Um, you know, just not getting pressure on Mike White, Mike White, the quarterback, making things really easy for him in the passing game. And while Armand Watts did finally break through and get a sack for this Bears offensive line, that was the first time that this defensive line for the Bears – Got a sack since week six, I think it was, which, which, which was a sack. Just crazy levels of unproductive, unproductivity from this Bears defensive front, and it goes to you know goes into question: What are the Bears going to do this offseason to address this? They have many options, I think. Um, you know, what do you think is the best way to kind of address this pass rush situation for the Bears going into next season? Well, there's a lot, I think, that goes into it. Now, the first option is this. If you are picking top five, you go ahead and you roll the dice on a guy like a Will Anderson, who a lot of people think is a 3-4 defensive end stand-up pass rusher. I think with Will, what I more so see is a player who's scheme transcendent, right? I think that there are arguments to be made that he's probably the best defensive prospect to declare for the draft since Micah Parsons in 2021. Now, I think. Micah's proven to be a generational talent, right? With the way that he's really burst onto the scene. I think that Will Anderson, with the right coaching, can certainly have that impact too. And if you don't believe me, trust me when I say this, when it comes to linebackers in front seven, Matt Eberflus is one of the best in the business. The other option, I think, is you go and you build out the interior of the defensive line, right? So you dip into free agency. There's a couple guys like Deron Payne, a first-round pick of the Washington Commanders, a veteran, a player that's been pretty productive throughout his career. You could also look at a player like a Jalen Carter, for example, who I think is at the very top of this year's draft. And, you know, let me say this. The draft's going to be dominated by quarterbacks like it is every single year. But if you're a team that already has a quarterback in place, which the Bears do, You've got two options. You could trade back and get a boatload of picks, or you could roll the dice on a guy like a Jalen Carter or a Will Anderson. And trust me when I say this, you are not losing much at all. So effectively, and you guys are going to hear me say this statement multiple times over the next couple months, like there's no possible way for Ryan Poles to mess up in the first round. No, I mean, he's got all of the options available to him right now. If they're going to stay in that top three to four area of the draft, which I think they will if things go the way they are right now. And, you know, if the Bears do trade down, they still there is a ton of edge rushing talent and defensive line talent in this draft class for them to take advantage of. But, you know, I'm going to talk about free agency first because I think that's going to be the first method that this um, this regime tries to upgrade this defensive line yet because ideally they're going to have to do both ways. Um, address it through free agency with some big signings here um, as well as through the draft as well. Um, and I think, you know, when I look at this defensive line class and free agency, there are a couple names that stand out to me, uh, namely uh, Javon Hargrave from the Philadelphia Eagles. He's probably got to be the top guy on the, on the bears board here uh, for free agency, along with Elton Jenkins on the offensive side of the ball. I think their top target on defense is going to be Hargrave. I think he's, you know, one of the best interior pass rushers in the NFL right now for the Eagles. Um, you know, I think I think PFF had the stats. I think it was uh, PFF Brad, uh, Brad Spielberger on Twitter who posted this. But Hargrave, I think he's like second in like pressure rate among, among interior defensive linemen. He's like second in pass rush win rate among interior defensive linemen over the last two years. Um, and I think second in pressures as well among interior defensive linemen over the last two years. So just crazy productive as, as a pass rusher. And we saw it this last offseason. The Bears were really aggressive on the first day of free agency to go out and sign um, a guy like Larry Ogunjobi, who probably wasn't going to be worth the contract that the Bears offered him. Um, and But, you know, it just goes to show that this regime really values that three-tech, you know, pass-rushing interior defensive lineman position. And Hargrave, while the Eagles kind of run a multiple front scheme where he does play a lot of three, four defensive end at times. Um, he also is capable of playing in a four, three uh, defense as that three tech role uh, where he can get after the passer uh, rush upfield, be aggressive, trying to blow up gaps. Uh, I think he's the perfect fit. Now, the only question there is he's a little bit on the older side. I think he's going to be 30 years old when he hits free agency next year. So, you know, it's, it's probably going to be a shorter range deal, but I mean, if you're building this right, if you're the bears, you're planning on being competitive during this next 
three or so year window. So it makes sense to go after a veteran like Hargrave um, who can be that, you know, impact free agent signing. Um, now, if they don't end up going after a guy like Hargrave, there are some other options as well, like Durant, uh Jones, I believe it is from uh, the Broncos. I might be uh, missing the name there, um, but he's, he's another young athletic pass rusher who can kind of fill that bill, that bill as a three tech uh, Deron Payne. He kind of fits the bill as a nose tackle in this scheme, um, but he does have some chops as a pass rusher as well. Now it should be noted that, you know, while Deron Payne is a first round pick, he's probably, you know, I wouldn't say the worst player on that defensive front for the, uh, the Washington commanders, but um, he's, he's definitely on, um, the least impactful side of that group. When you have Jonathan Allen, who's one of the top five interior rushers in the NFL, uh, you have Chase Young, who's been injured this year, but still a really good player when he's healthy. And Montez Sweat has really broken out this year. He's he's really been a nice edge rusher piece for them as well. So, you know, he, he's not the, the dominant force on that defensive front. He kind of benefits from those guys mucking stuff up around him. But he's still a good player in his own right. He's going to be 26 years old, so he's going to be in his prime when you sign him. And I think for a Bears team that's rebuilding right now, that might be a guy that they're more attracted to than an older player like uh, Javon Hargrave. Now, the at the edge rusher spot, there are some options as well. I mean, you look at um, who's the free agents from the Saints that I'm, I'm blanking on the name here, um, but Charles Omenihue from the 49ers. Marcus Davenport. Davenport, Davenport, yeah. I think Davenport, skill-wise, I think he's got a really nice fit as kind of this bigger, longer edge rusher that can you know go inside a little bit. Only issue with him is, you know, former first round picks who's going to have, you know, high asking price and injuries. He, he's injured all every single year, it seems like. And the sack productivity hasn't quite been there, even though pressures and, um, you know, win rate and what he does as a run defender as well is probably more important. But if they're looking for a guy who's coming off, you know, of a hot streak here, I'd say Charles Omenihu, uh from the San Francisco 49ers is a good option for this game. You know, even Fuse loves those edge rushers that are versatile to, He'll play on the edge and kick inside. And Charles Omenihue is a perfect fit for that. You know, he can kind of rush from all over the defensive front. He's kind of more of a situational player, but he can really upgrade your pass rush, I think, uh, if you surround him with some other pieces. And you know, speaking of that, I think that leads us into the draft then where you talked about it. I think the top two options at the top of this draft for the Bears are Will Anderson and Jalen Carter um, out of Alabama and Georgia, Georgia, respectively. Like, I think – the Bears couldn't go wrong with either pick, but I will say that I think Carter is the better fit for this scheme um, just because he is that dominant three-tech in a nutshell, and those guys are really tough to find. And while Will Anderson is a great prospect uh, in his own right, I'm not sure if he's what Eberflus likes in his defensive ends. I think he likes bigger defensive ends um, than, than Anderson. And Anderson, he's a little bit on the smaller side. He's like about 6'3", 240. I mean, that's not really what Eberflus typically looks for. He, he wants bigger, uh, meatier, you know, <laughs> defensive linemen um, who can defend the run a little bit and, you know, kick inside, uh, just be versatile there. So I, I don't think that's what he's looking for. So if Jalen Carter's on the board, I think he's the pick regardless of whether – um, the Bears, you know, upgrade at defensive tackle and free agency. Like if they get Hargrave, I, I can still see a, a scenario where they draft Carter as well, because then you have the old veteran who's kind of tutoring the younger guy as a first round pick, and you have stability at that three tech position, which is incredibly difficult to find um, long term there, because Hargrave and Carter create a nice one-two punch in the present, and then Carter can take over for Hargrave in the future. I think that would make a lot of sense. Uh, we saw the Eagles do this a lot in their drafts where they have a lot of veterans on the defensive lines, but they always have you know young guys coming up through the ranks as well. So I could certainly see that being an option for them. Um, you know, If the Bears were to trade back, though, let's say, and Will Anderson and Jalen Carter aren't available, you know, who are some other guys that you're looking forward to in that first-round area that you think could be options for them? on the defensive line. I mean, yeah, it, I think is really tough to say, right? Because you're in a situation right now where it's almost like fans have fixated themselves so much on a Will Anderson or even a Jalen Carter. But you know, one name I think that doesn't get enough love is miles Murphy from Clemson. You've got Brian Parisi as well. So a couple players there that, a lot of people have ranked as top winnings class and they could certainly make an impact. I think a third guy who's not getting enough love, but probably should is Tyree Wilson, the edge from Texas tech, right? 
you look at him and kind of what he's been able to do, you know, he's a much bigger defensive lineman, about six foot seven. I believe he's right around 280 pounds, you know, certainly a strong and stellar presence in the run game. And then kind of when he gets inside, right, as a pass rusher, I think that the big thing that pops up there is his strength and length the ability to combine those two to really beat offensive linemen, right? So with a player like a Tyree Wilson, you know, he has all the tools, he's got all the traits, everything's there. Now, the only question is this, right, is where does he play inside? Oh, I'm sorry, at the next level, right? A 4-3 team might draft him and try him out at defensive end, right? A 3-4 team might have him be a stand-up pass rusher. So really for Tyree Wilson, as good as he is and as good as he's shown to be, I would say that, you know, scheme fit's going to be a major determining factor that kind of allows him to reach his full potential. Yeah, Wilson is one of the more intriguing guys in this class, I think. And we're going to be getting our scouting reports on these guys later on in the offseason. So I mean, we're not going to go too fully in-depth here. But like you said, Wilson has all the traits you're kind of looking for in this flu scheme at defensive end. He's long. Uh, he's got a powerful upper body. He can burst speed the power very well. And he's versatile. You know, last year um, he played a lot of – that role where he was, you know, an early down run defender on the edge and then rushed pass from the inside this past year, um, they started using him more as kind of like a wide nine outside linebacker rusher uh, where he was standing up a lot more. And it really, I felt unlocked his pass rushing productivity a little bit. Now, some of that is also his development as well, but I mean, this guy was a pressure machine this year um, in college football before he went down with an injury. And I think, you know, he's just scratching the surface of his ability because he has all the physical talent to be, an effective pass rusher, but he is still a bit raw. Like he's definitely not as polished as a guy like Will Anderson, who you know definitely does have a few a few moves in his tool belt to use from. Um, but also, you know, he's got these insane physical tools. That I think makes him um, very intriguing. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if he's a top ten pick. And you know, if the Bears were to move back, I could certainly see a situation where they see, you know, let's say they're comfortable missing out on Will Anderson because they see Tyree Wilson as, um, you know, not a too, not too far off in terms of being that level of a prospect. But, you know, if the Bears did decide to trade back, you know, there are other options for them to address as well in the draft. And one of those could be wide receiver because there are some wide receivers in this first round um, that could be available to them as well. It's, it's not the strongest wide receiver class going into that. And again, we'll be covering that much more during the offseason. But there are some intriguing names to look out for on you know, days one and two of the draft. And, you know, the Bears have started the process of adding names to this wide receiver room or adding talent there, I should say. I mean, they, they drafted Vils Jones Jr. last year, which saves you want about Vils Jones Jr. I mean, they invested a wide receiver pick theoretically in the third round for him. Uh, they have Darwin Lee in the roster. They traded a second-round pick for Chase Claypool. So they are starting to add some talent here, but it, it definitely isn't enough at the moment given what they have. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, you're right. You know, and I think that that's going to kind of be the theme for this team in terms of like, hey, Looking at the wide receiver position, right? What do you do now? I will say this year's class is a bit intriguing in the sense that going into the year, right? Everyone had guys like Jackson Smith and the Jigba pegged as wide receiver one. Well, he's missed most of the season with injuries, right? And then you have 
Quinton Johnson, as well as Jordan Addison, who I don't think are as good or as refined as any of the wide receivers that have come out between 2020 and 2021. I'm sorry, well over the last three years, essentially, right? So the reality is the Bears are in a bit of a predicament because if – I think, look, when you look at this team, right, and you look at trends across the NFL, there's something to be said for the way that these teams are addressing the wide receiver position, right? Look at the Cincinnati Bengals, for example. They took T. Higgins in 2019 in round two, and then they drafted Jamar Chase the very next year with the fifth overall pick in 2020. You've got the Detroit Lions who took Amon Ross St. Brown in the third round of the 2021 draft and then took Jameson Williams with, I believe it was a top 10 pick in 2022. Look at the Jets too. They took Garrett Wilson in 2022 and Elijah Moore in 2021. So I think the trend that we're seeing here is teams are just doubling down back-to-back years on the draft for wide receivers, right? And for the Bears, they need to follow a similar approach, right? Because this is a team that they already invested a mid-round pick in a wide receiver by trading for Chase Claypool. So now the question becomes, right, how do you rebuild this wide receiver room? And if you trade back far enough, do you go and draft a guy like an Addison or Johnson? You can never have too many pass catchers in the NFL, especially in this day and age. So it's certainly a possibility that the Bears have to consider. One thing that fans have to account for and everyone's got to account for is that just because the Bears are picking high right now at second overall as of week 12 doesn't necessarily mean that a defensive stud is going to fix all the team's problems. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about it a lot, uh, both here on this podcast, but also, you know, just on Twitter as well when they interact with other Bears fans. Like at some point, the Bears have to start joining you know, the 21st century investing on the offensive side of the ball. And that means investing at the wide receiver position, which, you know, outside of addressing the offensive line this year is probably the second most important thing for this Bears team to address because you can't go into next season uh, with the weapons that Fields currently has to work with. You simply need to get more talent um, in the weaponry there. And I think the Eagles, the Jets, the Bengals, the Lions are all good examples of teams kind of, you know, over investing in those positions because they realize how vital it is to have um, multiple, you know, guys to throw to um, for, especially for a young quarterback, because it just makes the game so much easier. Uh, It makes processing defenses easier when you have guys that are running wide open. It makes it easier to trust these guys uh, when you know that they can go up and make 50 -50 catches. Um, It just, it just makes everything a lot simpler for them. And I think, the Eagles are the perfect example. You know, they trade, they drafted, um, I think they drafted basically three wide receivers in the first round in, in three years in a row. Uh, they drafted Jalen Rager, which didn't work out for them um, in 2019 or 2020, I believe it was. Uh, in 2021, they drafted Devontae Smith, traded up for him. And then, of course, this past draft, they traded for A.J. Brown with their first round pick. So, you know, they went all in on addressing the weapons, and they even took a lot of shots on day three of the draft with wide receivers like Quez Watkins is really – panned out for them as a day three flyer in the sixth round as kind of like a deep threat specialist. And that's something that the bears will need to do as well. Like it's not even just, you know, at the top of the draft, but taking flyers on guys late in the draft that have some physical upside to work with that you can kind of mold in your system and, and, and develop and find a role with here. And if Justin Fields is a guy uh, that is your franchise quarterback, he can start to elevate some of these lower echelon receivers and make them, um, you know, into better options than they would be when going into different situations here. But looking at the top of the draft here, I mean, some of the big names, obviously, in the first round, you look at Quinton Johnston uh, out of TCU. He's obviously going to be the big name. Um, he's probably going to end up being my wide receiver one when it's all said and done. I mean, he has all the physical tools you can look for at, this, at the position. He's a, he's a three-level threat um, as a yak guy, as an intermediate threat, and as a deep threat. Uh, Jordan Addison out of USC is kind of like that undersized slot guy, I think, uh, for a lot of teams. He's probably going to be a first-round pick. Um, Jackson Smith, Najimba, and Keishon Butte um, were considered first-round picks going into the year, but you know they've had some uneven years this season with injuries and um, some other inconsistencies. So I'm not sure how those guys are going to do in the draft. Is all said and done, but one guy that's 
quickly going up my radar is uh, Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. I really like his game. And I think he's a perfect fit for Fields, too, because he is just flat out fast, man. I mean, he's probably around a 4-2-40 when it's all said and done. He's a little bit on the other size you know, range there. He's about six feet, 180 pounds, so he's, he's a little bit skinny, but uh, you cannot teach speed, and he has it in spades. So, I mean, those are just some of the options. You know, there's always a lot of wide receivers available, and I think on day two, like if they're not going to draft a guy on day one, you know, those second and third round picks are going to be vital to – you know, draft these guys because you just need to invest more in that position if you're going to be, if you're going to have Justin Fields be successful moving forward as a passer, which is definitely going to be needed because um, he can't just rely on, you know, his playmaking ability as a runner um, to have success long term. So I, I think those are all important things to consider here. Now, uh, before we preview this upcoming Bears Packers again, the last topic draft wise that we'll be focusing, focusing on um, today is on the quarterback position with Will Levis. And there's a bunch of debate right now in draft circles about uh, Will Levis as a prospect, but it looks like he's finishing his career in Kentucky. Uh, they played their last game, regular season game this, this past weekend. Um, and Will Levis, you know, had under kind of a uh, uninspiring final season in, in college. Um, you know, did not put great, great numbers. Um, had some inconsistent performances to say the least this year, but a lot of NFL scouts love his potential and upside and still see him as a you know potential high first round pick. Um, you know, what do you make of the Will Levis situation? You know, I, obviously we're not going to be doing our full scouting report on him yet, um, but what's kind of the vibe that you have from you know watching what you have of Will Levis and you know, what do you think is, you know, what, what do you think is going to end up happening with him as a, as a prospect here? Well, Will Levis is about as interesting as it gets for me because going into the season, and I remember watching earlier in the year Will Levis versus Anthony Richardson because I said, hey, this is the battle of QB3 right here for this draft. And, you know, I would give the edge to Will Levis here simply because teams are going to gamble on potential when it comes to him. Now, teams always gamble on potential when it comes to quarterbacks, but what makes Will Levis such an interesting prospect is that you see – the tools as well as the traits and the athleticism that exists, right? And Will is a classic case of a quarterback who's bigger than your prototypical quarterback, about 6'3", 6'4", 240 pounds, right around there. And the reality with him is this, is that he hasn't figured out a way to be consistent and put it all together, but you do know that there is a lot there to certainly work with, you know, we saw five to six years ago teams gamble on guys like Josh Allen, right? Big arm quarterbacks who had all the potential. I think I'm not saying Will is Josh Allen, but I'm saying Will certainly seems like Josh Allen as a prospect in the sense that you either love him or you absolutely hate him. And there were people that year, by the way, who had Josh Allen graded out as a third or fourth round pick. So really that's what you're seeing, right? I, if it were me, I would not pull the trigger on Will Levis at, with a top five pick. But ultimately, quarterbacks are overdrafted every single year. And it's going to be the same with Will Levis this year. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I certainly get the vibe that, you know, a lot of NFL evaluators are going off of, you know, what they saw 
potential wise out of him going into the season rather than, you know, what he did performing this year. And, you know, there are some intriguing traits with him. I think, you know, his arm talent is obviously it's very high in this draft class. He is one of the better arms in this draft in terms of overall talent. Um, He's a decent athlete. You know, he does have, you know, pretty solid mechanics to his game already. Um, But there is a lot of inconsistency there with his accuracy. And, you know, he does have the ability to make these really impressive throws, but also just maddeningly inconsistent there. So I think it's just tough to say with him. And obviously the numbers, you can't, just purely box scout box course uh, scout with these guys, because, you know, obviously Will Levis does not have the situation that CJ Stroud or Bryce Young are in where they have, you know, first round future first round pick wide receivers that they're throwing to. um, I I should say multiple future first round pick wide receivers that they're throwing to, you know, having multiple guys that are going to be drafted high um, on the offensive line in the NFL draft to protect them. Like, um, you know, really good offensive coaches to work with. Like, you know, that's just not the case with Will Levis at you know his current program. Um, but with that said, I mean, you expect these guys in college to be able to elevate the talent around him. And, you know, did Will Levis ever show that ability to do that? And, I, and you know, I, I have to dive more into the tape to see that. But from the games that I've seen of him, I'll say no. But there is a lot of intriguing talent there. So, I mean, I think you bring up a good point about comparing him to Anthony Richardson out of Florida because Richardson is way more of a project than Will Levis is. Uh, Will Levis is a bit of an older prospect for sure, but Richardson, you know, just has all the physical tools, but there is zero consistency there. Like his last game against Florida state. I mean, we saw him make three of the best throws that you'll see from a college quarterback uh, prospect, NFL draft prospect all season long, but then he'll go like, I think it was like 15 throws in a row where they were all incomplete. And, and some of them were drops, but some of them were pretty rough throws on his part as well. So it's just, you know, he, manningly inconsistent on his end as well. So the quarterback three discussion, you know, obviously we know that young and Stroud are going to be the, probably going to be the top two for most NFL teams, you know, but there are, I know that there are Levis fans um, among NFL teams right now. And I'm really interested to see how this plays out because for me, I'm not sure if he's a quarterback that I personally would take in the first round as of right now. But, you know, a lot of teams, like you said, do this every year where they kind of trick themselves and talk themselves into taking these guys high in the draft. And it's just going to be something that is going to be interesting to follow throughout this offseason and pre-draft process because, you know, teams are going to be desperate for getting these young quarterbacks here. So, you know, that raises their their draft stock exponentially uh, when it comes closer and closer to the drafts because, you know, there, there are only so many options to address that position. Um, so with that said, let's move on to the final topic for today's episode, previewing this upcoming game uh, between the Bears and the Packers. Yes, it is Packers Week Bears fans. So um, a lot of intriguing uh, storylines going on. I think the main one is obviously – is Justin Fields going to play or is either of these starting quarterbacks going to play? Because Aaron Rodgers is nursing an injury as well. I, I think that kind of sums up kind of the main storyline going into this for me, you said. You're right. I mean, the storylines are certainly, you know, like forget Bears Packers for just a second here and the overall history with the rivalry and matchup. But really the bigger question here is now becoming who and why, right? is going to be starting at the quarterback position. And I wrote this in my NFC North recap, which dropped on the Bear Report website, by the way. I said that for the Packers, you've got five games left in the season. You're not going anywhere. You paid $150 million to Aaron Rodgers over the next two seasons, now 23 and 24. So you might as well shut Aaron Rodgers down in pretty much what is becoming a meaningless season. Why? Because at some point during the 2023 offseason, you have to make a decision on Jordan Love's fifth-year option, right? So why not see what Jordan's able to do in the final five games of this season? It sounds crazy, but Aaron was on the Pat McAfee show today talking about how he feels like he should be ready to go for Sunday. And that's the thing. Is we know Aaron Rodgers is not going to miss a game unless he legitimately has to miss a game, especially against a team that he's owned for basically 15 to 16 years now. So... What's going to happen in this game, I think, is this, right? Is to see Justin Fields versus Jordan Love would kind of be the future of what the rivalry could look like. But ultimately, you know, we're not really going to have clarity as to what's going on with this matchup until Friday when the final injury reports drop. Yeah, I think 
both fan bases would love to see Fields versus Love in this matchup here. And like you said, get a glimpse into the future of what this could be. Um, because, you know, obviously just feels going to be the guy for the Bears moving forward, but the Packers still have to figure out whether Jordan Love is going to be the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers when he eventually decides to hang it up or eventually if the, if the organization gets tired of him, decides to get rid of him at some point. Now, I, I don't see that last part happening. It's more of the case where, you know, you kind of have to find out what Jordan Love has um, before Aaron Rodgers decides to hang it up. Um, but, I mean – yeah, I mean, it's just that would have been that would have been such an intriguing matchup. But ultimately, I think what we're going to end up getting is um, I don't believe Justin Fields is healthy. I, I really don't. I think that shoulder is still going to be bothering him going into this one. You know, it sounded like you know while the Bears tried to make it sound like George, uh, Justin Fields was going to be playing uh, last week against the Jets, I don't think he was ever close to playing. It sounds like to me like this is always going to be a multi-week injury for him. So I think it's likely that we're getting Trevor Simeon once again. I think the Bears are going to be very conservative with. Uh, fields injury risk here, but you know, the Packers, they're kind of on their last legs here for playoff positioning. So I do see Aaron Rodgers starting here as well, because I believe him when he says that he wants to play until the Packers are officially out of the playoff hunt. Um, because I mean, he, he has the full, you know, sway over that organization right now because of the massive contract that he signed uh, this past off season where, you know, he's the guy in there until he decides not to. Um, because of the way that his deal is structured. Um, so he's he's probably going to play in this one, I think. Um, you know, And the Bears are probably going to do nothing to re-injure him or anything because they have no pass rush. So uh, he's probably going to be coming out just fine uh, from an injury standpoint and play this entire game. He's probably going to put up 40 on this team, just to be honest, because this might be, you know, if things are trending the way they are in Green Bay, this might be his, his last time playing the Bears, um, if we're being honest here, because you know, the Bears – because I'm not sure if Aaron Rodgers, how, how good he is long-term to the Packers. I know it's it's kind of like contradictory to what I was saying earlier, but um, you, know, you never know when he's going to hang it up at this point. Aaron Rodgers is just a different dude um, altogether. So, you know, it, that does add some intrigue. But, yeah, I, I just – I think it's going to be Aaron Rodgers versus Trevor Seaman, and I think we all know how that's going to go. And we might as well get to our prediction in X-Factor right now. So you say, um, who do you have winning this game and who's your X-Factor? Yeah, so surprisingly, I think, you know, I'm going to have the Bears winning this game simply because I think that something's changed from the last time the Bears were in Green Bay. You know, that early season matchup in Green Bay week two, I think the difference was that the coaching staff, as well as the product that was on the field, were still trying to figure it out. And again, it's the same. They're still trying to figure it out. But Things have stabilized, even though the winds haven't been there for the Bears over the last couple of weeks. So I think the Bears are going to prevail in this one, 20 to 17, simply because I think something is being said at Hallis Hall this week. And the coaching staff is pushing out a vibe that, hey, everyone's counting y'all. Everyone's saying it's a lost season, but this game right here would mean the world to the fan base for you guys to go ahead and win. I think the X factor is going to be defensive coordinator Allen Williams like can Allen be able to get the pass rush to go after the quarterback without having to blitz multiple times yeah I don't share that that same optimism unfortunately I I think this is going to be a slaughter I I think the Bears are going to get their butts kicked here because I don't think Justin Fields is playing and I think Aaron Rodgers is going to come in here motivated to get a win um, and if you look at this Packers offense over the last few weeks, they've figured some stuff out and they've been playing much better. You know, Christian Watson has been a stud for them since, you know, getting back healthy and integrated into the offense for them. You know, he's a second round pick that they trade up for. And he's, I think he scored in like every week for like the last three or four weeks or something like that. Like he's been crazy productive over the last month or so. And this offensive line for the Packers finally started to gel a little bit since he moved Elton Jenkins back to left guard and, uh, you know, Nyman. Yeah, yeah, Nyman, I think it is, moved out to right tackle for them. So they, they've kind of stabilized things a little bit. And their offense has started to, you know, start cooking a little bit. And, you know, this Bears defense is, without a doubt, the worst defense in the NFL right now. They don't have a pass rush. They're going to be without their best secondary player, Nettie Jackson, uh, this upcoming weekend. Um, you know, Brisker and Gordon are probably going to be back, I think. But, I mean, we're going to see where they are at the injury report. But, 
you know, they were picked on the last time these two teams met. I don't see that really changing um, given how the Packers wide receivers are playing better at this point than they were um, early in the year. And without Justin Fields, this offense just has no juice. And even though the Packers defense has been underwhelming to say the least this year, I think there's enough talent here where they can overwhelm uh, this Bears offense if they're not able to run the ball um, early on and often. So I have a pretty lopsided score here for my prediction. Packers winning 45 to 16 um, and what's going to be another painful loss for uh, the Bears here. But probably a predictable one here is, you know, it's just it's just the way this this rivalry has gone uh, over the last, you know, three decades or so. Um, you know, the Bears just not on the same level with the Packers. Even though the Packers are having a down year, I just don't see the Bears, you know, putting up much of a fight in this one at home, unfortunately. As far as an X factor goes, you know, it's really tough for me to say. Um, you know, I'll say that probably going to come down to, um, you know, Jalen Johnson in the secondary or really the secondary as a whole, like what can they do against, um, you know, this Packers receiving core? Cause we know the pass rush isn't going to do daily squat, um, in this game. So they're going to need some of these corners to step up. And I don't know if Jalen, Jalen Johnson is going to be, you know, getting the task of, you know, guarding Christian Watson all game, but he's going to have to have a big game, I think. And these corners are going to have to play really well. Um, because they're not going to get much help from front. So they, they have to do well in the secondary here if they're going to have a chance of slowing down Aaron Rodgers and uh, this Packers offense. But, you know, with that, that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Picks for Polls uh, podcast. Make sure to like, rate, like, rate and subscribe um, to our podcast at Blue Wire. Um, any support you guys give is really means a lot to us. And make sure to follow us on social media on Twitter at Pixar Polls as well. You said, where can our listeners uh, find you on social media and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on social media at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. I will have um, some mock drafts dropping over the next couple of days with the Bears fan base seemingly focused on April. Yeah, make sure to check those out. As for me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. You can find my work on the Bear Report um, as well. Uh, make sure to keep in, uh, keep track of my Tracking the Trenches series on the Bear Report, which covers offensive line and defensive line play. Um, but with that said, um, you know December is right around the corner here, Bears fans. Um, we're finally starting to hit that final stretch, and it's a big week here with Packers coming into town. So, um, you know, looking forward to it's going to be probably going to be a very eventful weekend here for all of us as Bears fans. But until next time, Bears get Bears fans, bear down and have yourself a fun and safe weekend. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.